Greetings and welcome to Resistance Recovery. Resistance Recovery is dedicated to the exploration of any and all topics related to recovery, spirituality, and culture. Join us as we interview thought leaders working at the edges of cultural transformation. My name is Piers Kanuka, and I'll be your host. Hey, everybody. Um, I'm in the midst of a conversation with Dr. Bruce Alexander, and it's going to be pretty casual, but I think we'll, uh, we'll have a chance to talk a little bit about resistance recovery and also the status of dislocation theory in the wider world. So why don't we do talk about that for a second, Bruce? Has anything, are you, what's happening with dislocation theory from where, from where you're sitting? Well... It's the paradigm is shifting, and, and it is for sure. But it seems to me, from where I sit, because I get all this mail, and <laughs> you do, <laughs> and all these invitations, and and the paradigm is shifting as it should, and it isn't just because of um, dislocation theory at all. I mean, there's there's yourself, for example, and there's literally hundreds of, of really sharp professional people moving in a similar direction. And I, I think you can feel a paradigm shift. It's like tectonic. <laughs> you can feel the ground shaking, and I feel it, um, and I, which makes me so happy to, be, to have lived long enough to feel a shifting. So, you know, that's what I'm writing these days is, is about the tectonic, the te- tectonic <laughs> um, events that are, that are happening. And, and it's because, you know, because of guys like you and, and lots of other guys like, like you and, and guys like me and lots of other guys like me. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a movement. So are you, are you seeing it in, is it uneven and geographically? Is it some parts of the world, you're getting more mail from some parts of the world than others? Oh, yeah. Um, and, I mean, you could say it's, it's, it's uneven professionally. I think that the, the professions, the psychologists and the psychiatrists will be the last to know. <laughs> yeah, very reluctantly at that. Yeah, grudgingly, yeah. I should say. Yeah, because it, you know, there's nothing in it for for them really, except of course, many of them really care about the people they're 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 trying to help. But but really, it's a it's a bottom up thing, and it, you know, maybe I'm over optimistic. I'm I'm old, and you get silly when you get old. So I'm I'm old and, and a little batty, but but I, I I really think I feel it. That paradigm shifting. Is but, it more is it more of a European thing? I know that you've made some inroads in Southeast Asia, but <laughs> it's European. It's uh, like I'm doing a lot in Brazil these days, and of course they're you know they're they've got to deal with Bolsonaro, who yeah. is who is their Trump. Right. 
and at the same time, they're, you know, they're, they can, you know, people are divided everywhere, but, but there's lots of people that are, that are rising up to, uh, to say we have to think about addiction differently. And that means we have to think about all of mental illness so-called differently. And we have to think about alienation differently. And, and, and we have to think about the future differently. And of course, we're in the midst of this, this virus, right? This pandemic. And that too means we have to think about everything differently. So it's a, it's a kind of cool time. Yeah. And, and you've just been telling me about resistance recovery. And, and I'm just putting that on my list of, of all these things that are, that are happening. And I hope you're going to tell me some more about that. Like I would, I'd like to know where that, where you see that going. I understand it's not just you; it's a lot of people. But, but I'd 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 like to know where that might be might be leading. Well, I mean, I think there's you know this is something that you've spoken and written about, but the false binary of treatment versus incarceration. Yeah. And, the excluded middle being some kind of community. Um, I think in my four years at GRC, when I was using dislocation theory as a treatment modality, I learned a lot. So I really learned, you know, where it stands in the relation to treatment with somebody who's in post-acute withdrawal and how the addict can, can contextualize their experience and start really understanding kind of like a social ideology of how they became addicts. And yeah. I'm, con- I'm convinced of the value of that after doing that for four years. So resistance recovery in a way is about continuing that, meaning it's, it's there for the parents of the addict. It's there for the psychologist who's trying to think out of the box. It's there for the person who's been in recovery for X amount of time and has questions that weren't answered by AA or, or maybe their therapist. or You know, it's that kind of thing. So it's trying to build community. Obviously, it's digital and it has a lot of disadvantages, but roughly one-fifth of the members are in Portland, Maine, which is because I have all these roots and connections there. So we are, we are hoping that, you know, we, once the, the quarantine's gone, we will start meeting face-to-face in addition to the digital. So it's trying to... Um, it's trying to have a healthy and robust conversation kind of continually and nonstop reflexive, critical. Um, yeah, that, that's really where it's at. Well, that's amazing and wonderful. I, I just read in the Culkin book a critique of a, of a chat room. I think it's called Sober. Yeah, the one Sober. in Boston. Yeah, and he's saying, he's saying that's, that thing is toxic because they're selling the data. They're they're selling the, um, you know, the facts about the people who are participating for whatever for targeted advertising. Sure. 
forth. And they and 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 he's saying, you know, that's that's really scary. But but what you're doing, I mean, obviously you're not selling the the data. I know that, so I won't ask that question. But um, yeah, yeah, it seems like something that there really needs really needs to happen, and it yeah. needs to be not <laughs> commercialized in in the sense, in the way Facebook is, and and of course it is. So congratulations, hooray! Much appreciated, and thank you for doing this. Um, when you when you get uh, queries about your work from the academic side, what departments are they coming from? Not from psychology. Yeah, and not from medicine. Um, I now have to think. Okay, then then what? departments are they coming from um social work really yeah Yeah. and um and social work is cool because (laughs) i don't know if you're following this but some of the some of the most amazing research right now is being done for example in the arctic in the canadian arctic there's incredible research on on the way in which um colonization has has broken things down and the way in which the the recovery is materializing and it's done by social workers really and, yeah um would you and uh, you know i don't normally think of social workers that way i think of social workers going around with with uh, clipboards to people's houses but, yeah. but 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 no there there there's social work and there's geography Mm. Uh, and again, there's social geography. Geography, you know, when, when I studied it in, in elementary school, it was about learning the, uh, the, the area and the state capital and the most, the most productive, most populated city in each state. But that's, that's not geography. Geography is social geography now, and, and they're, they're into all of these kinds of things. Um, and I could, you know, I've got a favorite geographer. I can't think of his name right now. It's not coming to mind, but I could send it to you if you're, you're interested. Who's, who's writing amazing stuff. So it's, it's like that. Yeah. But, but the, really, the, the better answer to your question is it's not academic. The, the, the discussions that I'm having are primarily not with academics. Um, they're primarily with with you know, just people and, and, and a lot of guys who, who have a history of addiction, right? And they're, they're writing to me and saying, well, look, uh, can we talk about this in a more detailed way? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. And I, and I think there's a, there's, a, there's a really lot of people who have been, who've been through the school of addiction and, uh, you know, now, they're, now they want to go to graduate school. Uh, and, 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 you know, they're, they're powerful people, uh, yeah. interesting people. I find myself trying to dissuade a lot of people like that from studying human services and psychology. Yeah. <laughs> I try to, I tell them, you know, study anthropology, study religious studies, study uh, sociology. You know, and if you want to get the clinical degree, do the undergraduate degree in one of those areas, you'll be that much of a better clinician. Oh, I agree with that. And religion in particular, I forgot to mention religion, but I, I'm, I'm having all this contact with religious people, which like I'm not, I have not been a religious person since I was 12 and I'm 80. 
So that's a long time. Still going to get you, Bruce. We're going to get you. <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> Religious people get me because they are, you know, they do good work. These guys care, and they take care of people. And uh, wow, I, I think that, you know, a person has to go a long way to find a, a framework which is better than that, better than you know, a framework which is centered on love. Like they use the L word, which I hesitate to use myself, but they use this L word all the time. And, and uh, yeah, that's a pretty good starting point. Are they, are they um, clergy or are they just people that have? Well, some are clergy, but mostly like, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, of middle ground between clergy and laymen in the Christian world. Like there's guys who are, Around here, there's something called house churches. Do you know that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Big in the States, too. Oh, okay. So, so we know people, I'm talking about we, my, my wife and I, we know people who run house churches. And are they clergy or, or laymen? I don't know. But, but, they're, but they're Christians. And um, they're really serious and they take care of people. And, um, oh, it's so exciting. And they approach you because they got acquainted with your work along the way? They, I'm thinking now of a particular set of friends, yeah. Christian people, and they, they approach me because we got everything in common except the, the, the Jesus thing. And I'm, you know, so they say, okay, we don't worry about the Jesus thing. Uh, but we can talk about all these other details, which, yeah. are, which are really important. And, and that, so that's how I'm learning about ecumenicism if that's the way you say that word is is like you don't have to agree on on the uh, theological markers but you do have to agree on the on the underlying whatever it is compassion or or yeah ethical the ethical area arena is where interfaith dialogue is most fruitful for sure yeah, yeah, that's right. And um, yeah, I've noticed this about Christians too, that <laughs> they're really hard on each other, like the... the <laughs> oh, yeah. They're harder on each other than they are on the rest of us, because like the Christians who I know, you know, who are these people who I so greatly admire, and they're compassionate, caring people, they're really hard on the other kind of Christian, the Donald Trump kind of Christian. They don't like them, um, and they don't and they don't hesitate to say so. So, so I have a lot more in, in common with those Christian people than than I do with my psychologist colleagues, and they have a lot more in common with me than they do with their some of their Christian colleagues. Yeah, and uh, who knew? Who knew that the world was structured that way? I think that's something that we're going to discover more. I mean, a, a good example of that is that Dunnington book you gave me. Oh, yeah. Turn me on to. So in one of my Zoom groups, we watched his some lectures of his and discussed them together. Um, but Dunnington, that, that body of work gets a lot of attention in this resistance recovery community, a lot of positive attention. And yeah. only a small percentage of these people would claim Christianity. Um, so it's really wonderful. I would put that Dunnington book, my top three 
addiction books are Globalization of Addiction, Addiction and Virtue, and this Culkin book on heroin. I think those are the really timely books. Tell me the second one again. I didn't, I, I, the sound. The second one is Dunnington's book, Addiction, oh. Addiction and Virtue. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Dunnington is so cool. And, and, and so many of these, these Christian guys are. I don't know if you're a Christian guy yourself, but... I am a heretic. I'm a heretic Christian. <laughs> I'm the kind of Christian that really gets in trouble with Christians. <laughs> okay, I hope they aren't too hard on you, because I know they can be mean. <laughs> so, um, Mark Lewis, did you... Did you read The Biology of Desire? Yeah. So one of the things... Well, I, I, I said, yeah, but I should say, no, I didn't finish it. I didn't uh, like it too much. Really? Yeah. And maybe I should. I mean, you, you... Well, I mean, one of the things that's really coming up, and this is a pillar of resistance recovery, is, you know, one of the things that we're critiquing is the disease model. Yeah. And, you know, the, we're, the, the, it's trending. I mean, you can believe what you want, but most of us are coming to the conclusion, much like you did, that this is not a disease in the proper sense. Well, the, the reason I, I draw back from Mark Lewis, and I know him, you know, he's a friend, but I, the reason I draw back from his work is that... Um, it seems to me he rescues the disease model by putting it into the language of learning theory rather than the language of the brain. And, and maybe that's wrong. Maybe, and he says, I don't understand. And, and, and maybe that's right. Maybe I don't understand because there's a lot of stuff I don't understand. But anyway, that's my experience with, with the biology of desire. It's so interesting because having read both of you, I see the ways that you're actually alike. Uh, when, to me, Lewis is saying that it's not a disease, it's a brain doing what a brain does. Yeah. And the reason why it's showing these certain, see, I hesitate to call it a pathology because then we're back in the disease. But the way it's, reason why it's behaving the way it is I would say links back to you, which is it's responding to a dislocated environment. So that's the way I read him. Yeah, and then I would want to immediately quibble and I would want to say, well, wait a minute. The brain isn't responding to a dislocated environment. The person is responding to a dislocated environment. And the person well, is... I, I, would, I would give you that. I would just say the brain is just a... Um, and now I can't think of the thinker who would say this, but there is somebody. I would say that the brain is just the inside, I mean the outside of something psychic going on inside. And those things together are a person. Um, yeah. So, I mean, this is where I, I would want to argue, and, and, and yet I'm not sure of myself because, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I don't understand it, and, and he's a bright guy. But... But I want to say, look, you know, people have to face up to stuff they, they can't cope with and they can't, 
can't make their way through it and and they 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 find ways to you know to to try to get through it and 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 one of those is addiction and 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 when they're addicted they're as it seems to me and from what i know you know addicted people are really trying to find a way through the the swamp or the the jungle and 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 the addiction is is one of the tools they've latched onto it seems to seems to help a little bit at least at least partly and and that's to put it in human terms um which i understand and and but then it, i i see mark putting it in terms of learning theory which is sort of like well the brain you know when it when it does certain things repeatedly it, it creates certain kinds of of uh pathology really it, 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 it creates circuits that that must be um continued or that must that must must accelerate in that direction and and it's sort of it's it's no longer a person trying to do something it's a it's a brain following the laws of the brain and and i want to say no it's a person following the laws of a person which is a person is trying to survive and trying to trying to make it work and and uh trying really really hard and and, and so i i object to changing it into a, a brain language and and he says, well, uh, you know, the brain. What what we're saying is is really the same thing. But I say, no, it isn't. So anyway, uh, that's no, my I, that's a, that's a point well taken. Because if I'm hearing you right, you're saying his approach is actually more reductive. I'm saying it is. It remains reductive. Yeah. Yeah. And it remains um, deterministic, as opposed to to saying, well, look. You know, people try. People try so hard to to make it work, and 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 it's not that somebody something is forcing them to do that. It's not some circuitry that makes them do that. It's it's we could. It's almost a religious thing to say. It's saying you know that's that's the soul, man. That's what we do. We yeah. we we try to we try to we try to get better. We try to we try to improve things. We try to find a way that'll make it work. Um, and, and of course, there's, a, there's, there's, there's neurons blinking off and on all the time we're doing that. I'm not, I'm not just saying it's magic, and I'm not even trying to say it's, it's spiritual. I'm just trying to say um, that the, the ultimate way that I can comprehend it is in that, in that human language rather than in the brain language or the learning theory language. And and I think would something is lost in the learning theory language. Yeah. So Mark, Mark and I used to be friends, <laughs> but we don't we don't talk much anymore because uh, because we've we've had that standoff. I should, I think I should better go back and read it again. Well, no, it's really interesting because you know I can see how I read it. Um, I was really in you know I'm going to synthesize these guys mode. But I, I appreciate your objections, but, but you know you do sound like a much more humanistic slash religious thinker here, because you're you're really talking human dignity, human agency, and sure. I mean, you don't want to be religious to talk about that stuff, right? I mean, that's yeah. I mean, that's isn't that the world we live in? That's mm. the world I live in, anyway. That's. That's the way I 
see people and I don't see it as 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 religious I mean I, I know that there's a brain and that we could ultimately if we wanted to we could we could work out all the connections in the brain and we could see why it is that we are like that or we could we could follow the you know all the generations of evolution and we could say well this is why it is that we are like that but the fact is we are like that um, you know we're, we're we try so we're watching our five-year-old grandson now who's, who's he's having trouble at school, right? Mm -hmm. Why so hard? And now the last five days, because he only goes one day a week now because of the virus, mm -hmm. the last five days he's got it right and everybody's happy. And, but we can all see how hard he tries. Yeah. To me, and that's, that's the world I live in anyway. And that's how I understand people who, you know, have addiction issues as, as I have, you know, and, and it's, so I'm, I'm really talking about the way I experience myself, of course. I mean, I think we all kind of do that. <laughs> yeah, of course we do. So then, um, is there some... Where, where would you see your work relative to, say, somebody like um, Gabor Mate? Well, um, I think Gabor and I, are, are, we're also friends, but we're, we're still speaking. <laughs> 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 like Mike, Mark and I really aren't. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I I think I I like what Gabor does. I I think I have an objection to Gabor too. If you if you want to hear it, uh, of course I do. <laughs> well, it's it's that you know it's I green candy for me. Well, it's uh, sometimes he and I are, have been on the same stage. I've seen that, yeah. And and people, you know, say something from the audience, and and he's saying, well, you know, I think you really, what really happened is this and this and this, and he's he's sort of psychoanalyzing them from the stage, and I don't think he should do that. Um, but I I he I think he and I think, you know, in a rather a more similar way than than he and Mark. Of course, he. You know he's a doctor and and he, and he's into brains too, um, and and he's into to um, trauma, and and of course trauma matters, but uh, I I think it's possible to overplay trauma because I think that that an awful lot of what happens is not like a child is beaten or a child is raped and those things happen and they're horrible and of course they leave a mark. But the context in which those things happen continues. It, it's there before the traumatic event, and it's there after the traumatic event. And, and I, I rather suppose we could put too much weight on the traumatic event itself. Rather, I mean, the, the, the same people who do the, the traumatizing thing are not cool before and after they do the traumatizing thing, too. Uh, so, so I, 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 that was <laughs> that's where I would quibble with with Gabor. That you know maybe we could put 
too much weight on the trauma. Yeah, my reading of of the two of you is I I tend to side more, well, as you probably realize, with dislocation theory because I think it's the more global theory, and in in dislocation theory, there's more room for something like chronic stress. So what word? What chronic? What kind of stress? Chronic. Chronic. Yeah. Yeah. Chronic stress to to lead to dislocation. That it does not have to be combat or sexual assault. It can just be. Yeah. Trying to stay your keep your head above water in twenty first century America. Yeah, and and of course it can. You know there are traumas in there. Um, yeah. It's not to deny the importance of of trauma. It's just to say that that you don't actually have to have a. Um, something as horrible as a rape or a or a terrible beating to you know for to be fucked up <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's, there's kind of a you know in our critique of aa there's almost a taboo against saying you know many people tell their stories like this i had a pretty good background i came from a decent family and then they they really point to themselves as some some perverse thing in themselves that chose to go down the road of, you know, vodka or whatever, yeah. as opposed to actually telling a story that's more global that says, you know, it was okay growing up, but then my dad lost his job and things got hard. And, you know, my sibling came along and less attention was paid to me. And, and then I fell in with these kids that, you know, it's, it's almost like that there's, there's, I think this is part of what you're talking about when you're saying there's um, a paradigm shift going on. I'm actually seeing it on a more micro level around things like that. That people are beginning to say that, you know, some of this, like one thing that we notice is that if you go into an NA meeting in a large American city, it will look a lot more like America, meaning different skin tones, um, a more politically savvy audience, meaning they they understand how the game is kind of rigged certain directions. And yeah. if you if you still go to an AA meeting in lots of parts of the United States, it's predominantly a white male affair. And not everywhere, but there's a lot of that. And there's still this more implicit narrative of there's a normal world out here. And if you just do recovery, you're the abnormal one do the recovery and you can become adjusted. You can have the American dream. Yes, this Horatio Alger kind of thing built into AA that I don't think you see that nearly as strongly in NA. Um, wow, that's really interesting. I, I didn't know that. I, I know that that critique has been made of Bill W that, that you know, even after he became Bill W, the AA guy, he he didn't write off. I mean, he was a stock stock dealer, right? And 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 he he didn't write that off. He didn't react against. Oh no, he, there's no social critique coming out of Bill Wilson. No. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. That's what that's what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah. Which, that it which, is somehow built into NA, or or it materializes in NA. And I think that has a lot to do with licit and illicit. 
um, illicit drugs are more likely to bring you into, con uh, into crime, uh, conflict with the criminal justice system. There are certain demographic and socioeconomic issues that are at play that you don't see as much with, you know, I'm, I'm the businessman who, there were too many three-hour martini lunches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's very interesting. Um, is there a is there a spokesman for NA in the way that Bill is Bill W is the spokesman for AA? But I, the answer that comes to mind right away would be Culkin. Maybe I don't know if Col does Culkin have an NA? No, oh, he's really his his time in the twelve step world was in AA actually. Yeah, um, it's kind of interesting when he and I compare notes because I was already in the profession when he was using, and you know, I was serving this Northern New England area, he and I know a lot of the same people. So he, he, he was part of this yeah. wave, wave of upper middle class white kids that got involved with Oxycontin and then heroin afterwards. And that was a lot of what I was serving in the first yeah. part of my career. Yeah, yeah, so you encountered the same people. Literally the same people, his yeah. friends and family and such, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's a small world, yeah. I beg your pardon? It's a small world. Well, it is, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, one of the things that's happening is um, because I'm trying to recontextualize the steps in light of dislocation theory, right? Yeah. The question of selfishness, you know, comes up. We've talked about this. You know, the big book says it's rooted in selfishness, and this is them running with, you know, secularizing an idea of sin that they get from the Oxford group. Yeah. And personal accountability becomes so, so intrinsic to 12-step recovery, right? But then dislocation theory comes along and say, well you know, there's a social etiology to this. Yeah. And so those two things are in, you know, little conflict. And, and you and I talked about this, that what we call restless, irritable, and discontent is actually dislocation. And it was there before the drugs were picked up. So that all works. But as I bring this to people, and this happened just today, as I bring this to more and more groups, there's a kind of, a, a little bit of a recoiling. They buy it, but they, they tend to think I'm, I'm trying to jettison the 12-step thing. Yeah. And so I'm always having to reassure people, no, I think this is a very good modality, works very effectively. I'm just trying to recontextualize it. Um, I, I love the way Culkin recontextualizes contextualizes the 12-step thing. He said, you know, he says, really, it's about prioritizing the, the other and that, you know, we, it starts with the fact that you go nowhere without a sponsor and you go nowhere without the group and you go nowhere, and then he puts last, you know, you go nowhere without the, uh, the big guy up there. But yeah. But I, 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 I love the way he did that. Yeah, he's, he's very much focused on, on alterity, on the other. 
That, I think that's very right, yeah. And that's part of this critique of hypermodernity in that the other is, is attenuated now because it's always through, to the extent that there is another, it's through the digital device. Um, is that really true? I mean, like you and I are, are digital here. Yeah. On the other hand, you and I have spoken in person in, in a serious way before. Uh, is something lost because of the digitalization that's, that's involved right here? Well, I don't think it is, but I think you and I are different because we're of an age and we're Gutenberg people. Okay. Whereas when you're looking at an 18-year-old who communicates with their thumbs and with emojis, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's things are beginning to... There's certainly not... A, we're not signaling the same when, you, when, you're, when you're doing that. I'm thinking about the 18-year-olds I know, which are grandchildren. And I, yeah, no, my, my grandson, who is, I guess, about 16. Yeah, it's hard to have a serious conversation with him, even though he wants to. And even though he's got a lot to say, and he's not closed. But maybe there's a barrier there, which is because he spends so much time in front of screens. Maybe there is. Well, some people say there's something like a loss of social intelligence. Yeah. At, least, at least in terms of the way you and I understand it. Yeah, and that yeah. could be. That could be in his case. I mean, of course, he has all kinds of family problems, and but it could be the screen plays a big role in that because because in the time when when you know he and his mom weren't working out, he was on the screen all the time. It kind of makes me wonder about, you know, what you brought up earlier. I'm just thinking out loud. The concept of personhood, you know, is, is that something that's fading or needs to be revisited or really need to ask what a person is again? Well, maybe it is. And that's like, like, it really bugs me when people slip into brain language, you know, they don't say, well, I, you know, I, I, I became angry or they say, well, my amygdala erupted or some, you know, something. Like don't mean rush. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe, it, yeah. And maybe that's why we, we turn to the brain as a metaphor because, because it's so hard to speak in, in personal language and as, as, I mean, you're you're way younger than me, but but I, you know, as I recall growing up, speaking only in personal language, and um, and and I, I I hate to let go of it, uh, but but yeah, maybe personal language, yeah, maybe it is in some sense fading, and that's again that's Culkin, right? That's that's the that's what's liquefying, yeah, or, and becoming. We're, 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 we're being data mined, digitalized. He, he said, uh, I think it was him yesterday, he said, and then you've got this cloud, and this, this cloud carries, it's like a big um, 
garage or something that carries all this meaningless data related to your person, your shopping and your, your surfing and your, yeah. and all that. But that is actually sort of extensive to the person now that we're not like, Bruce, what do you think about this? Instead, there's some agent data mining you to find an algorithm to advertise something. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe because I'm segregated with people of my own age, mostly, I mean, everyone is, you know, speaks personal language and, and gets that. But, you know, maybe I need to know more 18 year olds. Do you know 18 year olds? <laughs> I deal with a lot of people younger than me by quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, it's interesting. I'm, I'm doing a little work with um, these fabulous women's sober living houses in Portland, Maine. One's called the Grace House, and the other's called the Aletheia House. And um, I think there's a certain kind of gender uh, asymmetry going on here around recovery where they're much more easy to engage in that personal way. Whereas the guys do seem to be a little more digitized. Why would that be? Well, it's controversial um, in some quarters, but uh, another one of your peers, Philip Zimbardo. Yeah. He wrote a whole book about it called Man Interrupted. Uh, because he was noticing an asymmetry in his undergrads. And he concluded that digital culture and gaming and pornography in particular were having a, a profound effect on, on young, young men's functioning. But why more than men? Beg your pardon? But why, more, why men more than women? He does get biological, so I think you might have something with that with him. But he, he would say that, um, <laughs> that those, those mediums are more compelling to guys. Um, pornography is, is more, more compelling. And I, I, I'm very interested in his work because I, I've seen this asymmetry for a while. Well, something there. Um, yeah, and I've seen this loss of social intelligence as well. Like literally not, you know, if, 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 if you're so shy and, and introverted that you can't make eye contact, well, if I can't make eye contact with you, then there's a whole host of social cues that I'm not picking up on. And I'm seeing more and more young men who've spent so many years playing gaming. You know, the, these boys will game for... 10 hours at a pop, right? And it's an all-male, this is Zimbardo right here. He says it's an all-male environment, whether you're playing with somebody in the same room or London, yeah. and, and that it's um, your sense of self-esteem comes from how well you perform in the game. And what he's basically saying is it's a set of social skills that don't really serve you anywhere outside of gaming. Wow. Do you know any incels? No, that that really frightens me. <laughs> yeah. That's profoundly disturbing. Yeah. 
Yeah, pretty scary. Apparently, it's quite a thing in Japan. Really? Yeah. I, uh, I've, I've lost a thought there, but... We're... But men, why boys? Right? I mean, you're saying it's biological. It's just somehow on the on the Y chromosome or something like that. Well, I think he's talking. I mean, once again, he's going to take you back into brain physiology, but he has an explanation for why pornography is more compelling to men than women and and the will things. You, will you excuse me one minute? Because see this this pen. Yeah. It isn't worth shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to go get another pen. Would you mind? Because I want to not write down. Not, not at all. Write down the title of of Zimbardo's book. And this pen, I, this deserves. Well, I don't know. I'm not going to do anything to it right now. But I'll be right back. Okay, we're recording again. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I got down that, that Zimbardo book. Uh, Man Interrupted. Man Interrupted. Mm -hmm. So the other things he says about young men failing to thrive, one of them dovetails with you very, uh, very neatly, it is he says that it's diminished economic prospects. Sure. So the, the American male, you know, can't, many of them can't reasonably expect to do as well as their fathers did, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so the archetype of the breadwinner has kind of been eclipsed. <clears throat> Which, that actually kind of takes you closer to uh, Culkin, too, who he's saying, now we all have to brand ourselves we all have to be continually self-improving and marketing ourselves. Yeah, but he's saying even if you get, even if you're you're making a reasonable amount of money, it's not really an economic problem. You you're you know you're still by branding yourself, you're liquefying yourself or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know Mary Pfeiffer? No, now I need a pen. <laughs> well, you know she. How do you, how do you spell her last name? P-I-P-H-E-R. And she has the book, which is maybe the, the counterpart to Zimbardo, and it's got Ophelia in the title, the, the, the name, the you Shakespearean know, word, Ophelia. And she talks about girls in pornography. And, and she's saying girls are being tremendously shaped by pornography. Um, in the in the sense that they you know they watch it and then they they think that's what they're supposed to do, and <laughs> it gets crazy. So so she she doesn't um, I think talk about, and she writes about boys as well as girls. You know, it's not it's not that she only writes about girls, but but she doesn't make the argument that that it's particularly men that it's affecting and yet and yet that resonates with me i think it might be and especially when i think about my 16 year old grandson that i fear for him he's the only person in the family i fear for and and it, you know 
Oh, and it doesn't really matter whether it has to do with genetic maleness or not. It, it could, for whatever reason, it could be more men that are falling into that, like incels and stuff. Well, it's interesting because when, when I go into the prison, you know, it's kind of this artificial, well, it's not artificial for them, but they're more in the Gutenberg brain in there. You know, they can't, they can't check out on digital devices because they, they don't have access. And so you still, there's still a lot of reading and there's still a lot of conversation about what you read. And there's still a very high premium on conversation. Isn't that amazing? Well, they may be privileged in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah, it's really ironic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so to the extent that they have college classes, you know, they're not Wikipediaing anything. They have to read the textbook and, you know, get access to a, a word processing program. And, you know, it's still very... Wow. That's yeah. a... That's a thought that uh, I have not thought of, you know, just that, 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 that there would be an advantage like that to being in prison. They're, they're sheltered a little bit. Yeah. Well, and then many of them talk about how disorienting it is, if they've done a long stretch, to come out and see this whole world like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, what happened, right? <laughs> yeah. By the way, I, I have got to... Uh, cut off fairly soon. It's fine. You've been very generous with your time. I have. I have not. I have been enjoying myself totally. Uh, <laughs> and even though I was, I'm three hours late to this meeting. I. I <laughs> <laughs> it's on me. Yeah. Well, then let's um let's stay in touch. Maybe I'll uh, I'll just keep you um, posted from time to time about. Well, I'll be checking your. I'll be re checking your website. Um, You'll see you, if you if you can get on Facebook. There's more activity. You get more sense of a community on the Facebook page, resistance recovery, and you have to uh, uh, sign in or. Do I have to friend it or something like that? You have to request to join. Request to join. Okay, I can do that. I I resist Facebook. Um, but, I had a feeling. Yeah, well, for, for the obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I will, I will be checking it out. Hey, there's no way that the paradigm shift will happen without Facebook. It's just, it's just it's part of it. It's the, one I mean, of the meetings. Because so much conversation is processed through Facebook, is that why? And information, too. You know, I post your I post your recent articles off of your web page onto my Facebook page. Yeah. Well, you you know this is it's wonderful for me that you do that, uh, but I wanted to ask you. You know what that I I wrote this article about gambling addiction. I don't know if you possibly have seen that. It's on my web. I haven't read it, but I, I've seen it. Yeah. Okay. And, and what had occurred to me, as I, I, I studied gambling addiction for a while before writing it and, and talked to some, some very serious gambling addicted people, what occurs to me is that Trump is a gambler. Oh. For example, if you think about this Tulsa business, 
I mean, he played, he took a huge gamble there that he could, he could pull it off, you know, go in there on Jean, Juneteenth, however you say that, and go in there in spite of the coronavirus. Um, well, those two things, I, I guess, but there's a third. But let's just say those two huge long shot gamble he took and yeah. if it had worked if it had come out brilliantly he would be on top of the world right now because because he took that change and 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 i think he didn't i think he actually lost his gamble but you know you expect to lose on 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 long shots um from time to time but but i there's a there's a there's a number of websites who have taken to analyzing Trump as a gambler. And I'm wondering if that makes any sense to you as a gambling oh. addict. Oh, yeah. No, I think it makes, well, I mean, look at how much of his business was in casinos. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think if we put on our, our kind of Marxist thing, then late stage capitalism, you know, you're not, you're not producing things anymore. Yeah. You know, so you're making money off of speculation. I mean, the financial crisis, we're actually speculating on debt, on, on absence. I mean, it's really wild. Yeah. Um, I'm also, I'll give them a plug. I'm in a book club with some people that are very versed in Marxism. And they talk about, in late stage capitalism, the body is now the site of economic activity. They no longer have to groom children to work in the labor force because there's no jobs for them. So the body, you know, the medications, the tattoos, the selling your plasma, the being a sex worker, being hearing, yeah, but it's the body becomes the site of economic activity. Yeah. I think that's definitely a big piece of what we're seeing. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I see that too. And it was particularly since I just spent an enormous amount of money on new hearing aids because my hearing is failing badly. And I thought, well, shit, I'm going to, I'm going to put what it takes. I'm going to, if anything can help me here, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to find it. And uh, it's amazing what has been developed, the, the, the technology which has been developed. It's really well, you and I haven't had any problem through this. No, no. Well, this is this is easy. It's 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 when there's it's when there's uh, chainsaws. Normally, what we do on on Pender Island, if someone decides to have a meeting, is immediately a chainsaw goes off north of you, a chainsaw goes off south of you, a chainsaw goes off east and west of you, and then 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 you've got to have the nine thousand dollar hearing aids to. Uh, <laughs> right, right. But they didn't do that today. I think it's because it's Sunday. Yeah. Well, good. I'll remember that for future reference. <laughs> okay. So, so yeah, I should, I should go, and I, I thank you for your time, which you have been very generous with, because you're, you're full of amazing ideas, and I, I wish you good luck with your, with everything. Well, I couldn't, I couldn't do it without dislocation theory. So, thank you. So, so can I send you the latest, the latest tome, which is, oh, yeah. it's a oh, book really? chapter. It's a book chapter in which I, I, I transform uh, dislocation theory. It's no longer called dislocation theory. Now it's called 
the adaptive paradigm, and I, and I make the distinction between a theory and a paradigm, and, and uh, develop that whole idea. So can I send you that? Send it to me ASAP. I'd be honored. Okay, you can't, you can't send it to anyone else, though. You no, I will read it and get back to you with my thoughts. Okay, and, and you're promising not to send it to anyone I, else because it's... In front of the entire digital world. <laughs> yeah, so everyone's heard that, yeah. So, Piers, <laughs> a great pleasure. Yes, thank you. Well, happy Father's Day. Yeah, and to you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. For more information, you can find us at resistancerecovery.com.